The Advent and Christmas seasons are complex and beautiful times of year in our Catholic liturgies and our family traditions. If you're looking for inspiration, our beautiful mom panel, J. Dahlia Dunn, Eleanor Borg-Nicholson, and Olivia Spears are here to share how three moms celebrate Christmas. Stay with us. Welcome to Homeschooling Saints, the podcast that helps you create the homeschool you love for the people you love. Our host is Lisa Maladnik, a Catholic life coach, TV host, best-selling author, and an instructor at Homeschool Connections. Before we get started, remember to subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. And if you're watching on YouTube, click the bell to join our channel. Hi, I'm Lisa Maladnik, your host, and today our guests are J. Dahlia Dunn, Eleanor Borg-Nicholson, and Olivia Spears. To give you a peek into how three moms homeschool their toddlers, and now I'm going to go through and introduce our panel. And those of you fortunate enough to be seeing these beautiful women on YouTube, uh, they're going to give you a wave as I read their bios. J. Dahlia Dunn is a homeschooling mother of four children, the oldest now away at college. She enjoys reading, the fine arts, gardening, travel, and attending the traditional Latin Mass with her family. Eleanor Borg Nicholson is a scholar, Gothic novelist, Victorian literature teacher for Homeschool Connections, homeschooling mother of five, and an amateur wrangler of feral toddlers, fueling her Gothic inclinations. <laughs> Olivia Spears lives in Kentucky with her lifelong homeschooled husband and four children. She is passionate about catechesis and delights in a steaming bath. Wow, haven't had one of those for a while. Uh, we've got contact information for these wonderful homeschooling moms and resource links and things like that. So don't worry about scrambling to write things down. If anything gets added spontaneously, we'll throw it in the show notes. Uh, welcome to the program, ladies. Thank you. Thank great you. Great to be It is great to see you. It's so fun to connect over the miles. Um, we're talking today about a subject near and dear to our hearts because Let's face it, moms especially, but any kind of homeschooling parent or grandparent gets very overwhelmed during the Christmas season, especially if we're homeschooling. We set goals for our interior lives. There's special seasonal activities that our families kind of expect of us, right? And even the sensory experiences like Christmas cookies and decorating and caroling and all those things uh, that really we seek to do in a way that honors God, but they also give us the feeling of Christmas. So I'd love to just go, uh, we're going to go in the same order with each question. We're going to go from Jay to Eleanor to Olivia and start each of you, please, just sharing something that really makes it feel like Christmas for you personally. Jay? For me, it really starts feeling like Christmas with Advent activities. Um, that's something that's really not honored in the secular society, those traditions of Advent, you know. Um, it's, uh, with Advent, you get the buildup and you get the connectivity, um, I feel, uh, much more um, with the faith and um, uh, with tradition also. Uh, so I... I, I really love incorporating a lot of uh, traditional activities with my family during the Advent season. And so Christmas for us, apart from how it's presented in secular society, is not just one day, one morning, opening gifts for us. It's, it's, a, <laughs> it's an accumulation. It's, it's, it's a longer, it's, it's liturgical in our family. And we actually follow 
um, the liturgical calendar and um, and celebrate particular feast days of um, saints that fall within fall within Advent. Mm. Um, yeah, that's a great starting point because there's so much that's missed. The rest of the world mm -hmm. doesn't understand this whole beautiful spiritual season of Advent that's incredibly mm -hmm. rich. Uh, what about you, Eleanor? What's that place in your heart where Christmas starts to feel like it's happening for you? Well, I, I agree with Jay that it begins for us with Advent. I'm very attached to the Advent practices because the more that I can draw out the prayerful preparation, the more I can engage in Christmas. So if you want just one quick example, um, there's a Christmas novena that we said when I was a child, and it's a wonderful book. It was called Celebrating Advent and Christmas. It was a source book for families. It's not available anymore, but I found it online and the links will be available. But just the prayers that we would say together, not just with the Advent wreath, but just building up that anticipation and really living out Advent before we even get to Christmas. That was very important to me. And I can tell each of the steps, like when we get to that, the Christmas novena, it's like, all right, it's O antiphon time. We're almost there. And it makes a lot of the other dizzying preparation feel less overwhelming so that I can feel like we've connected. The years when I forget to start the novena on time, those are the years when I feel disconnected. And then we just have to catch back up because, you know, family. <laughs> There's always special graces during Advent, too. So if anyone feels like they chronically just get disconnected, join the club. <laughs> How is it for you, Olivia? What, what really connects you into that spirit of Christmas? I agree. It's definitely the start of Advent. And particularly for me personally, it's uh, the external changes that start to happen in our home around Advent, too. So it's the putting away of anything fall. It's, you know, bringing out of course, the Advent wreath, you know, on the table and the blankets and the candles that are just reserved for Advent and all of uh, the, you know, the the picture books for all the feast days like Jay was talking about during Advent um, and, and kind of making those like little hubs around the house. I think because I spend so much time in our home that that visual external shift of of, of decoration as we, as we begin to decorate in Advent and the lighting of the Advent candles every day. I think that really helps my brain get in to, uh, into the season, which, uh, really allows my heart to enter into the Lord, enter in with the Lord into the Advent season. And so, um, I, yeah, as soon as we start kind of shifting the externals of the house as Advent begins, then I, you know, every morning I wake up and I'm reminded this is where we are, Lord, you know? And so, um, so that's really when it starts to feel like Advent uh, to me, which uh, to Eleanor's point makes Christmas day even sweeter, you know, when all the halls are decked and we've been doing our Advent prayers and traditions. So, so that's, that's where it kicks off for me. Mm, yeah, thank you so much. I feel like that tactile and visual part. We don't always think about it, but our liturgy is made for all our senses. And so the way we live in the faith, right, it can engage all our senses too. Um, yeah, thanks so much. That's such a beautiful context for our conversation, ladies. Um, let's go back to Jay and just tell us the ages of your children, for starters, Jay, for anyone listening. And what are the kinds of priorities that you start integrating into your homeschool during the season? My oldest, who just went off to college, uh, just turned 18. 
Then I have a, a, (laughs) yes, I have a 14, 14 year old and I have a soon to be 12 year old and my youngest just turned seven years old. Wow. Yes. So definitely the tactile um, aspect, the, the senses, you know, which we incorporate as Catholics in, in our worship. Anyway, we worship through all our senses, which is really beautiful. You know, the visual, yeah. the, 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 the smelling with the incense, the, you know, um, you know, all the senses, the hearing, you know, the, the, uh, the singing is particularly the carols uh, during the Christmas season. But uh, yes, so during the home, uh, um, for homeschooling, there is a blending. There's a, a beautiful organic blend between homeschooling and, and um, just living our, our lives in our home. You know, it isn't compartmentalized. And so that's, I, I love that also. So the faith is interweaved so naturally and so beautifully. So, um, so for example, um, when, and the other mothers had, had brought up, brought up the uh, the wreath. So, um, in some years, we'll actually get uh, be, uh, beeswax and roll our candles. So we do that in our homeschool. We'll roll the candles wow. um, that we'll use and, and put in our Advent wreath and, and light and bees and beeswax. It, it's I prefer that anyway because it's so it's so lovely. It smells so nice, and it's yeah. <laughs> yes. We get those honeycomb sheets, and we roll that. Um, there are a few places people, if they're interested in, in incorporating that tradition in their family, they can find that um, several places online to, to get the sheets. I feel is easier when you're dealing with mm-hmm. beeswax. The, I, I particularly love the honeycomb stamped ones. <laughs> oh, wow. And of course you yeah, get it beautiful. in the colors. Yeah. And you get in the colors of the purple and, and then the pink, you know, for the advent colors. And that's, and that's a wonderful tradition I try to do every year. You know, some years, I, maybe time constraints are like, oh, we didn't think to, to order it and, you know, with enough time left over. So we'd have to just buy the candles when you're from a local <laughs> Catholic shop. But it's nice to ha- have it a- ahead of time to be able to roll them, and especially with the younger ones to do that. I, I, I think that's lovely. Yeah. Mm, yeah. What a beautiful memory. The smells, mm-hmm. the feeling oh, of yes. it, the togetherness of that activity. But I also mm-hmm. love the underlying priority of we're honoring something, whether we have time to do it from scratch or we buy our candles, mm-hmm. there's that priority that the family recognizes. We do, mm-hmm. you know, we do what we can. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. Mm-hmm. All right. Eleanor, okay. what are you thinking of when you think about, oh, tell us the ages of your children first, and then what kinds of priorities are you integrating into your homeschool during the season? Uh, we have 11 and a half, almost 10, seven and a half. I'm sorry, six and a half. He's not seven yet. Oh, goodness. Six and a half, almost five, two and a half. All their birthdays <laughs> come. We actually have a birthday fall halfway through December and a birthday that falls in the 12 days of Christmas and then all the others follow. So we're anyway. Um, <laughs> but I agree with Jay about the, the living liturgically. I mean, we do start not immediately when Advent hits, we don't completely put the brakes on formal you know, lessons, math. But as we get closer to Christmas, we become more and more invested in that preparation together. And it's everything from what we've discussed, you know, decorating, which we do very, very slowly. I hold out until the trees are going to be dead before we get our tree. Um, <laughs> because I don't want it. I don't want to rush that. But we then decorate it with lights. 
and Jesse tree ornaments, which means we're revisiting all of salvation history before we even get to Christmas. Um, and also a lot of the hands-on activities and other study. Uh, we do a lot of rereading of Dickensian Christmas stories um, and at the same time apply ourselves in almsgiving and service, which is a critical part of Advent preparation. And that's very Dickensian. You know, his whole central um, theological belief was that God became man, God with us, Emmanuel, means God redeems us and our hands are supposed to be helping redemption and serving our neighbor. So we do a lot of almsgiving while we're listening to Dickens' Christmas stories because that feeds my joy. Um, or there, for example, my husband will come up with, fascinating things that we can do with the children in, a, in an instructive way, but also still feeding that preparation. There's a documentary called Star of Bethlehem he pulled out a couple of years ago, and we rewatched that because it's um, an astronomical study based in the Bible. And I also, um, I'll give you a link for that too, Lisa, um, that sort of thing. And you can tell the wide range of children, the older ones are going to be connecting with that in one way. And the two and a half year old can just be full of awe and delight and hopefully not tear the tree down. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, we, we kind of like let them come to it as they are able developmentally, right? And God knows, you know, God is doing all these amazing unseen works as well. Olivia, what about you? Tell us the ages of your children and what kinds of priorities are you integrating into your, your life together? Yeah, so my kids are nine six, three, and one. And uh, yeah, talk about developmental. So that, that goes into my main priority, which is um, I just want to talk about the incarnation during Christmas. And um, so we go over and revisit like the four reasons for the incarnation from the catechism. But I also just want them to be thinking about the story of the incarnation and to contemplate it. And that is not like mystical. What I mean by that right now is like they're dressing up as like the nativity, the characters in the nativity, you know, and they're fighting over who's going to be Joseph and they're <laughs> dragging the baby in the laundry basket to make him be baby Jesus, you know, and um, they're being Roman soldiers fighting three boys, one girl. So, I mean, you know, you can, you've got the picture in your mind now, um, but I love it because we the story over and over and over again. And my hope with that is that they'll really come to, that that will just be ingrained, you know, in their minds and hopefully their hearts by God's grace that, uh, that God became man, uh, because he loves us and in order to save us. And so that's kind of my, my hope if, you know, if, if all else fails during an Advent and Christmas season because of life, um, that's kind of where my focus would land is just to tell the story again and again. Mm, yeah. And I would, what I would give to see the technicolor visions they're having while they're playing. Right. What's the Holy Spirit doing <laughs> yes. developmentally at that age while they're imagining yes. and what will stay with them in some form oh, yeah. as they grow closer they to God? They always say we're not playing, we're doing. We're not playing. We're doing. <laughs> okay. Yeah. You know? And so it's like, all right, they're in it. Yeah. Oh, I love that so much. This gives me the holy shivers just listening to the three of you. The love, the intentionality, all the deep thought and the care for our faith that's going into it. Everybody, we're going to take a very short sponsor break, so don't go away. We are with Jay Dahlia Dunn, Eleanor Borg Nicholson, and Olivia Spears to share about how three moms celebrate Christmas. And we'll be right back. 
Hi, I'm Walter Crawford. And I'm Maureen Whitman. We are the co-founders of homeschoolconnections.com and proud sponsors of the Homeschooling Saints podcast. Which is here to help you homeschool more joyfully, more easily, and more effectively. We want to thank you for listening. And we invite you to check out our courses at homeschoolconnections.com. And now back to our program. We're so grateful for our sponsors at Homeschool Connections. Thanks for staying with us. We are talking about how three moms celebrate Christmas, and we're here with Jay Delia Dunn, Eleanor Borg Nicholson, and Olivia Spears. And uh, let's go back to you, Jay, and just hear some more of the kind of day-to-day examples of what what things look like in the Dunn household during Advent. <laughs> Um, Eleanor had mentioned it. We also uh, like to incorporate Jesse tree ornaments. Um, one year we uh, um, had the children create their own and um, while reading the scripture uh, associated with each ornament and just uh, um, them learning about the genealogy of uh, Jesus and um, and learning scripture from the Bible and incorporating mm. all of that with uh, the Christmas season. And that's great. And they get to put that on the tree when we finally get the tree. And uh, <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, that's wonderful. And also the uh, um, feast days that fall within the season. So um, uh, St. Nicholas, um, I believe it's December 8th, you know, putting candy in the shoe. Um, there's also on the 13th is um, uh, St. Lucy. And I know she's uh, celebrated a little bit more in uh, Sweden for cultural reasons, but I love the uh, the idea of, because I my oldest is a girl, so as a daughter. So you, um, this tradition for St. Lucy's Day um, to wear the white gown with a red sash and a crown of um, candles, we use fake candles, real candles on her head. <laughs> She'd be too nervous. Fire safety tip. The fire safety <laughs> And just coming down very early in the morning before uh, daybreak. And um, we've also uh, uh, dabbled in uh, baking the traditional, uh, what they call saffron buns. They would do that in Sweden. The Swedish word is lusikater, but um, the saffron buns. And they look like an infinity shape, like a figure eight. Um, I'm sure there's plenty of recipes online. And that's that's a traditional baked goods for St. Lucy's Day. Wow. And uh, yeah, doing doing all these things. And then, you know, they get to read the lives of saints while also, you know. Um, mm-hmm. So each, so they each um, understand it on their own level because the ages are so different. You know, so my daughter will understand it at a much deeper level than the younger ones. And, um, but it sticks with them, you know, from year to year. It's a, it's a memory, you know, it's a, it's a memory of uh, doing that. And then the, the memories incorporate also the sense of the things that they are baking. So they, you know, your sense and your hearing, all these things have a memory too. And so you'll associate it with that time of year and, um, and with, and with Christmas. Yeah, Christmas season. Yeah, I love that. Jay, which the, which of those traditions are like the ones your kids clamor for? What are they asking for each year? Like, oh, are we going to bake the, you know, the Swedish cakes? Or what are they looking oh, they, forward to? Putting candles on their sister's head? 
they like the dress up too. And just like Olivia, I have three boys and one girl. So <laughs> they like the, the, the physical costumery because the boys, they will, they, they have a different, um, they have a dis- different costume for, for St. Lucy's day. So, um, yeah, so yeah, they, they enjoy that. Uh, definitely. And they like the tactile things. They like creating ornaments rather than just going and buying. There's nothing wrong with buying ornaments, but mm-hmm. that's nice. And especially when the next year, when you've, you've put all your ornaments away and you come and there's a memory and it's like, oh, we made this this year. And I'll have like a, a date of the year of that, when that was made and um, mm. use different, some years um, we use, I'm trying to think of the, uh, the material kind of like a like a paper mache-ish kind of material type, you know, different things that'll la- that'll last, um, like a clay, like a clay that, that'll harden. Um, those mm. are good um, to use. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, I remember my mother they had one, one year, we went crazy. My mother bought all these little white styrofoam balls and a bunch of <laughs> ribbon and sequins, and she gave us straight pins. Literally, that was it. No glue, no mat. We were just like sticking pins into these balls, and they were beautiful. They were on our tree for years. It was crazy. Right, right. Because <laughs> I'm not crafty right. at all, but I could handle that. <laughs> they love the crafts. The crafts, I think, will be what they clamor for the most. The yeah. crafts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's neat to find out what actually delights them and kind of helps them mm-hmm. anticipate. What about you, mm-hmm. Eleanor? What's the day-to-day kind of looking like with you and your kids in this season? Uh, well, we also observe a lot of the Saints Day, St. Nicholas, St. Lucy. We did once light the candles, did not set our hair on fire. <laughs> but we did We did light the candles just to take a picture. It looked really cool. And our saffron buns are never very good, but we always do it or try to. Not the year I was having a baby, that, that year, no. But we have a crash set and we put that out. And Mary and Joseph travel across the house. Of course, they're frequently kidnapped and become part of other games. And then they come back. And then we said, did they progress further? And where did the wise men go? Um, So that gets a little bit all over the place. Um, But in in a good way. Um, But one really big thing we do, and this was something we deliberately decided. Well, I decided when we got married. But my husband didn't argue, and now he loves it. Okay. <laughs> celebrate 12 days of Christmas. Ooh. So on Christmas Eve, they get Christmas pajamas. Christmas morning, they get stockings and gifts from each other. There is a gift or an event every day for the 12 days. Um, don't panic. I do not spend a lot on Christmas. One of the things I do is starting in July, I start collecting used books to make sure that for about six or seven of the days, they're each getting one book. Um, but then there's a day when we get a family puzzle. Um, there's a day where they might get Lego if they're lucky, but that's, there are five of them. That's a lot. Um, uh, <laughs> but also we have, I think I mentioned my, my son's birthday is before Christmas. My mother's birthday is three days after Christmas. And, um, uh, our second daughter, she's the ninth day of Christmas. So we're incorporating birthday celebrations as well. And then cousins come into town and it'll be, oh, today's treat celebration is the exchange of gifts with cousins or uncles. Um, and New Year's Eve was always extremely significant in my family of origin. It was the day all my cousins, there are 35 of us. We were all homeschooled. We all came to my grandparents' house and we would eat, we go to mass, then we'd eat, then we'd party, and then we'd have a spontaneous dance party until midnight. This wow. is how I brought up labor with my second child was dance party on New Year's Eve. But our children, I mean, our eldest isn't quite 12. So the dance party happens earlier because 
I'm going to bed. Um, but we still keep that um, largely as a family celebration. Um, but building in, again, even the saints after Christmas. My mother was born on the Feast of the Holy Innocent. So we celebrate that feast. We go St. John, just really dragging it out. And it's because as a child, we were very liturgically conscious. But I always remember being depressed at about 2 p.m. on Christmas Day because I was sleep deprived and we were going to have dinner. But man, we're done. So mm -hmm. the joy really does last. And on the 13th day, when I'm taking things down, it's really satisfying. Mm -hmm. So you feel like you really got it. It's so um, I'm a big fan of the 12 days. Again, don't break the bank if there's something you want to try. Because there's so many different ways. Board game day. Torture with all small children. But my husband's always game. Or... <laughs> Oh, on Christmas Eve, the other thing is my husband and the boys set up uh, a train, a Christmas train around the tree. Um, and the boys do it because they're, one of their grandfathers was, or great-grandfathers was an engineer. So he actually drove a train. Drove a train. Um, so those sorts of things. And we're talking about family while we're doing it. We're pulling out all the ornaments, some of which we've made. I am not, not crafty. Um, but also many we've inherited. So it's this constant unfolding of family, of food, lots of baking. Um, and of, of the prayer life, which means that dra dragging out Advent and dragging out Christmas, even if there are a whole bunch of days where I really don't feel like I've got my game on and we haven't done something that could go on Pinterest, <laughs> to engage with Christmas, that gives us what? Even on a short, on a short Christmas, that's got to be, I'm not going to do math. 50 days. Anyway, we've got a long span of this to live it out. Oh, one last thing I will say. We have a collection of children's uh, Christmas books. They only come out in Advent and Christmas. So they're on a shelf. Nobody reads them. And then Advent hits is one of the first things that comes upstairs. And we just bet that becomes part of our read book time every night. But also the children just sit on the couch for hours reading all their favorite Christmas stories. And it gets bigger every year because they get Christmas books on St. Nicholas's Day as well. So it just expands and they look forward to it every year to see those books. Mm, nice. Wow. So rich and so much fun. I love the I love the game on feel of it without having to like keep up with Pinterest or spend a lot of money. Like we can just recognize that our kids were forming them and that they can appreciate these things that our family values, that they're absorbing that. Olivia, what about you? What are some of the day-to-day ways that you're engaging in the season? Yes. So our homeschool days do start to change as we progress through Advent too. Um, and like Eleanor, a, a big way this does for us is we too have like the Advent and Christmas picture books that only come out during those seasons. So we, I just start to swap, you know, whatever, whatever we're maybe reading aloud um, in school. Now we're reading aloud, you know, Dickens or, you know, um, uh, another Christmas picture book, you know, at one after another. Um, and then we also do, um, we do Advent, uh, picture studies of sacred art, which I can, I can send you the link Lisa for that. And that kind of like replaces our, our fine art study, you know, so we kind of transition everything we can, of, you know, there's still math and phonics and, you know, and things like that, <laughs> but we, we slowly really ease into the Advent season. And I try to swap out what I can to be kind of preparation for Christmas. Um, 
family prayer wise, we we love the O antiphons. Those are a part of our year every year, um, and we love doing uh, like lighting the Advent wreath every night um, for dinner and singing the hymn. There are things that I would love to incorporate more in the future, like the Jesse tree, like more um, longer Advent prayers. Um, but it's not our season for that. And right now we do a great job with singing O Come, O Come, Emmanuel and doing the O Antiphons. And so that's great for us right now. Um, and so so that's kind of our, our family prayer during Advent. And then um, like you all have been talking about, really, if there's ever a time where the liturgical year really anchors our days, it really is during the Advent and Christmas season. And um, I I kind of approach it when I'm preparing for it as like, um, if you've ever heard of habit stacking, it's the idea of if you want to begin a new habit, it's helpful to tack it on to a habit that you're already in. So, you know, some people will say, oh, if you want to read more, um, read while you eat lunch because you're already in the habit of eating lunch, you know, so on and so forth. It's pretty effective. But I like to think of that in terms of how to do all the wonderful, magical, meaningful things during Advent and Christmas um, without driving myself and therefore my family insane, you know, because <laughs> if I go, the family goes, you know, <laughs> So I really like to think of like habit stacking, but it's like um, uh, event stacking almost. So what that means is that I try to tack on um, like more secular activities to the liturgical feast days. So here I almost even hesitate to call them, them secular because I think sometimes we hear secular and we compute, oh, it doesn't matter as much. But but the things that I'm meaning like baking cookies, going to the holiday plays in town, those do matter. You know, those are important things. Um, yes, maybe in and of themselves, but also, you know, bonding experiences as a family. So I don't mean to say like these things don't matter. Um, they do, but for my brain, if I can mesh them, then that's great. So for example, um, like the Feast of the Immaculate Conception is always when we build our gingerbread house. And we talk about how um, Our Lady was preserved from original and all actual sin because she was made a worthy house for the living God. And so we make our gingerbread house on the Feast of the Immaculate Conception, and we talk about Our Lady as a house for God. Um, on St. Lucy's Day, we do the, the morning too, although I've got to step up my game with y'all with those saffron bones because right now we just do cinnamon rolls. And <laughs> I would love the beautiful ones. Again, maybe that's for a future season. But um, so we do that in the morning, but then that's also, you know, St. Lucy is, is light, you know, and um, uh, that's part of why there's, we wear the the candles either real or not, you know, on, <laughs> on the head of that day. But that's, so that's the day that we go look at Christmas lights as a family in the evening. We load everybody up and go look at Christmas lights on the feast of St. Lucy. Um, and then finally, like St. Nicholas day, uh, like Eleanor said, you know, in the morning in their shoes, they get the Clementine and the gold chocolate coins and the Christmas picture book. Um, but that's also a day where we set aside for uh, maybe more of our our charitable Christmas activities. So maybe that's like cleaning out the coat closets, you know, or um, or writing letters um, to people who may be struggling 
with loneliness that season. Um, so, so just trying to tack on these things that we want to do as a family throughout the season with how we want to live and celebrate the liturgical year has been helpful for my brain not to feel like there are 1 million things that I want to do and that my kids expect to do and that I will feel like a failure if they don't happen, you know? So I just try to mitigate all of those feelings um, by kind of, you know, doing some of those things together. Um, and those have become some of our very favorite traditions. Wonderful. I love that. I love just trying to be wise about it, not overstress yourself, not try to you know, like the references to Pinterest and things like that. We want to be careful not to be comparing ourselves to other people too and getting like ridiculous expectations. Like what does God want of us? And that takes us to, let's start again with you, Jay. When you look back on just starting out with mm -hmm. your kids and trying to juggle all of this and to, mm -hmm. you know, we'll get to what you've learned and you'd like to share, but let's start with what do you wish somebody had actually told you ahead of time that would have helped? <laughs> Don't try to do it all. Don't try to, you know, just like you were saying, um, you know, we have this image and if this one little something falters, then, you know, we can maybe fall in despair like, oh, you know, but um, just connecting with what's important, you know, um, and I think the living liturgically actually does help a lot with that. It grounds with that. Um because I didn't have that growing up. And so it was more, um, uh, my expectations of Christmas is more in intertwined with things that were, um, I don't know, um, superficial, you know? And just like Eleanor was saying, when we, um, you know, Christmas came and you're starting to get a little depressed, you know, a little afternoon because it's like, oh, it's, you know, it's so short, you know? I love celebrating the whole um, 12 days of Christmas. We don't do gifts per se all, all those days, but just just keep just keep that uh, the decorations up. We're not tearing down the tree the 26th, you know. <laughs> just keep it. We're, we're still in the season, and it 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 it, it, it does help a lot. It's just it, um, um, you get the fullness. You get the fullness of the season and you're connecting and I feel in a much more deeper level than trying to um, um, just have a pretty facade, you know, like the pretty Pinterest facade. Um, exactly. So, yeah. yeah, if someone had told me just um, just focus on what's important, just follow the liturgical season. And that's what I, if I don't do gingerbread of certain year and I had, there are days I haven't, years I haven't done it, those types of things. It was okay. Cause th those weren't part of my expectations. That didn't, that wasn't the focus or the focal, you know, of, of this recipe or um, that particular um, decoration or um, yeah. Yeah. And I, and I love that too, because it becomes the actual done family Christmas that way. Mm -hmm. You're choosing, mm -hmm. like, what are the things that really matter to us? We can't mm -hmm. do it all. Mm -hmm. yeah. Exactly. Can't what do a it beautiful, all, you know? Yeah. What a beautiful yeah. lesson for your kids not to have yeah. to be so pressured yeah. in and the future. Miss it. Yeah. They're, you know, yeah, exactly. They just know what 
Christmas is, what they, what their experience, what they, they don't have anything to compare it to. So sometimes you put these extra expectations, this extra, I don't know, um, idyllic, maybe from a movie, what, what it's supposed to involve, but uh, they don't, they don't have those, they don't have those expectations, especially the young ones. Yeah. Yeah. We kind of protect them Mm -hmm. from a lot by having our own Mm -hmm. guidelines. What do you wish, uh, Eleanor, that somebody had just said to you when you were first starting out? I know you grew up in a homeschooling kind of almost like this compound of people all on this journey. So maybe it wasn't quite as shocking to you, but, but what's one thing? Well, it's actually something that was said to me. Um, I was in the midst of a Christmas time panic attack because we've had stressful Christmases. We've had Christmases where I, you know, I'm having a baby. There were Christmases, two Christmases, one before, I, I, lots, anyway, one Christmas where I was losing a baby. Christmases where we're suffering deep family stru- traumas and lots of stresses. But it was this, and the, my, my anxiety about disappointing my children, which is one of the hardest things for me as a mom. It's when I think, oh, I'm a failure. It's actually just translating to, I am failing you. This is the place I absolutely don't want to be messing up. And it's the reminder, my mother said it to me and then my husband echoed it, which was, but we're forming their expectations. Like Jay said, what are they going to be disappointed about? And then when you stop and look at them and realize, all right, the house is falling apart. It's a catastrophe. And uh, we had to stop halfway through Christmas Novena to break up a fight. (laughs) But just sitting here on the couch, looking at the tree, And the children are just drinking it in and just loving the fact that God became man and gave them this much joy. I I can't, if I don't get in the way of that, our Lord does that work through us. Mm -hmm. So it's just take a chill pill. I've never actually tried to keep up with Pinterest, but in my head, there's this idea of there's a degree of maternal Parental, parental presence and a degree of joy that must be achieved satisfy all their no they're satisfied just by the joy of being together as a family so all, any moms who are feeling like a failure that's the devil throw it out just let the joy of christmas wash over you too because you're working really hard yeah yeah and what you're doing is sacred and and the enemy always attacks what's most important so he's gonna He's going to go right to your heart as a mother and try to tell you that you're a failure. Yeah, we've all heard that little mantra. We've got to, we've got to, re, you know, stand under the precious blood and ask our lady to wrap her mantle around us when we're feeling that bad. It's awful, but it happens to everybody. Yeah, thank you, Eleanor. I'm sorry, Olivia. Um, looking at you and saying the wrong name, but uh, welcome to my world. Um, yeah. So, what do you wish somebody oh, had told you? <laughs> oh, I just echo Jay and Eleanor. You know, I think take it slow. Um, especially if, if this is all new to you, this idea of liturgical living, this idea of living Advent, slowly celebrating the 12 days of Christmas. If this is not your frame of reference from your childhood, you're probably excited about it because it's very exciting, right? When we learn about it. Um, but to just take it slow, you know, um, these are things, even the things that I've mentioned are things that we have added on slowly over like 11 years. You know, it's not like I just woke up being like, I'm going to do all these things. And, and, and like Eleanor said, there have been seasons where none of that happens, you know, those seasons of suffering, um, or, or the seasons of just transition, you know, like a new baby. 
Um, that was our last year. I'm like, did we do anything last year? I don't know. We all delighted in the new baby and that was wonderful, you know? Um, Mm. and so I think, I think that we can, uh, like practically, I think a good place to start is what are the traditions for you and your husband from your childhoods that really meant the most to you that you'd like to preserve and carry into your own families? I think that's like a really good starting ground. And then maybe pick like one feast day to, to celebrate very simply, meaning like maybe it's a themed meal that is already in your meal rotation, you know, um, just, just start very slowly because the, the deeper thing that I would say that I wish someone told me, like Eleanor mentioned is, um, we don't want to lose our peace over any of this, you know? Um, and truly, you know, we, we may spend ourselves trying to make the season idyllic for our children, but they may just remember how stressed out and crazy mom got, you know, and that certainly would defeat our purpose as we all know. And so, um, I try to remember that as Christmas inches closer and because here's the thing, like as moms too, right. There's, it's not just expectations of our children, but there's also expectations of those around us. So whether it's like our, extended families or, you know, our, our close friend groups, whatever there's, there's holiday parties, there's gatherings. We're probably doing a lot of cleaning and cooking and wrapping and shopping and checking the list twice, you know, and like, uh, uh, managing family dynamics, you know, things like that. So, um, I just remember all, as all of that picks up closer to Christmas, it's ever more important to make sure that my personal prayer time is happening because that's the time where it would so be like, it'd be so easy to put that on the shelf and be like, I'll see you after the presents are unwrapped Jesus, you know, (laughs) and that certainly is not the point. Um, and, and I just, I've just found the years where that does not happen. I fall on my face and the years where maybe the traditions go or the house falls apart, but I maintain my daily time with the Lord then everybody's more peaceful and and the kids do have a wonderful season and my my husband certainly enjoys himself more if i'm not you know like frazzled and anxious about it and so it's just when we when we soak in the presence of the lord in prayer it just overflows into every area of our life especially during advent and christmas the times when it would be most easy to say well this is not essential right now you know on the contrary, it's even more so. Mm, I love what you said about going slow, about bringing over family traditions that you want to preserve, and all of that, finding that place of peace and prayer. So good. So let's go around again. And if you could just share a lesson for the moms listening, we have new listeners all the time, and so many new people are coming into homeschooling. We've had, since the lockdowns, just a tsunami of new people just opting out of the system and really doing something beautiful at home and discovering how much they love it. But it doesn't stop it from being overwhelming. We all, when we first started, probably had moments of what the heck was I thinking, right? So so what's a lesson that each of you would like to pass along, um, you know, just to other moms, right? maybe some of them with the idea that it might be their first time as a homeschooling family. And let's start again with you, Jay. What would you like to pass along? Definitely put away the comparisons. 
it's so tempting to compare yourself and your homeschool with somebody else's or somebody else's life. The dynamics are different. People have, you know, people have different um, children with different learning um, abilities or um, or styles. Um, so definitely. Um, comparison is just the killer of joy in the homeschool. So, um, yeah, hundred percent. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I used to have an acting teacher that said, talk about uh, a neurotic population. I was in the acting population in my twenties and he said, everybody compare equals despair because you're always mm -hmm. either pushing someone down or over elevating someone mm -hmm. and pushing yourself down. But that's such a good mm -hmm. lesson to remember. Comparison is the thief of joy. So good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. All right. Eleanor, what do you think? What's a lesson you'd like to pass along? Um, it's actually something that I thought of. I was talking to someone recently. Remember why you're doing it. Remember why you're doing it. And I, my husband and I have talked with you. We have a lot of reasons. Uh, we don't trust the school systems. We know we can do better. Um, but really we do it because we love it and because we want our children to have joy. So that's building on what Jay said. Don't let comparison rob your joy, but remember for us, we're in it for the joy. So on the days where they're fighting, um, <laughs> like, not that this might've <laughs> happened yesterday evening when two girls going, just, just why? And I said, just, I can't handle it. You're going to bed. You're just going to bed. And in the morning, we'll talk again about relationships, but not at 9 p.m. <laughs> um, but just remembering then that you're teaching them the way that they will maintain joy through their entire lives. And that's partly through the challenge of relationships with siblings. As my mom said, if you can learn to get along with your siblings, you can get along with anyone because they are the ones who can push your buttons. They will also be your best friends. And that's why the work you they, that's part of the joy too. So remember why you're doing it. Remember eyes on the prize, especially at moments when you want to throw the math book out the front window, <laughs> not confessing anything, didn't actually do it. Um, but just remember eyes on the prize. Why am I doing this? I'm doing this for joy. I'm doing this out of love. I'm doing this for whatever you is your central reason, so that you can go back to that on the really bad days. And we all have them. Mm -hmm. Amen to that. Thank you so much. It gives us so much permission to be real about this. Olivia, what's one lesson you'd like to leave with other moms? Yes, I would just say, uh, now's the time to to have fun and, and to maybe loosen up a bit. You know, I think that we can get uh, a, a little tense around the holidays with, you know, um, as you know, Jay said, if if we're battling comparison or as Eleanor said earlier, if we're worried about, you know, disappointing the children, not to mention just like the the day-to-day -day task list, we can let it kind of crush us. But I think that's the exact opposite point, you know, um, of, of the preparation of this season. And so joy was exactly what was in my mind too, as you all have said so well. If we can loosen up a little bit. And, and if that makes you nervous as like a new homeschool parent, you're like, well, I can't take all of December off. You don't have to, you know, that's not what we're saying. But again, just like making those little swaps of assigned Christmas themed reading, you know, and, and just kind of watch the family 
take delight in this new way, instead of derailing, I would argue that actually is a beautiful moment of refreshment for the homeschool family and in your homeschool year. Um, and then I would just say, you know, if we can keep in mind throughout the Advent season that whatever, whatever we're facing, whether it's a worry about a child or, you know, a, some other suffering or all the things that we're thinking of that have to get done, if we can just remember that whatever uh, emotion we're feeling, whatever challenge we're encountering, the incarnation provides for it all. And so um, in becoming one of us, our Lord's humility is the answer to all of those things. And so if we can tuck that in our minds on those hard days, like Eleanor said, which we all have, and bring that to mind and say, you know, the Lord has provided for this because he is with us, because he is Emmanuel. The Lord has already seen this. He's already taken care of this and he's already here with me in this because of the incarnation. Then I think that that can help us kind of reclaim the Lord's peace in our life and to just have that perspective that we really actually want to have, which like you said, is the long-term long game perspective. Mm, so good. Thank you all so much. This is so good. Um, we'll just do a quick round robin. If you want to mention any additional resources, if you want to pass, that's fine. But if you have one you want to call out, they'll be in the show notes. So let's start with you, Jay. Is there anything in particular you'd like to call out as a resource? Um, I, don't, I don't have any particular website, but um, I'll re reiterate um, some items that the um, parents may want to uh, incorporate in their homeschool in the Advent season. Like, again, the, the beeswax candles, the Advent wreath. Um, uh, there are many um, Catholic publishers that will have the uh, just printouts of the Jesse tree Um um, ornaments just uh, that they can just print out and have, especially the younger ones, color and, and do um, with attached prayers to them. Um, also, um, yeah, maybe, uh, you know, the, the ladies had mentioned uh, Christmas books, um, maybe ones of the saints that, um, that fall during the um, Advent and Christmas season. Um, yeah. Yeah, great. Yeah, thank you so much. It's a great list. All right, go ahead. Eleanor, anything you want to add as a resource? Well, this is going to sound like a cheesy commercial, but if, if you have high school students, I have a course on Christmas with Dickens, and we read <sighs> Christmas stories. It's in recorded with Homeschool Connections, so we did it live this summer. We did Christmas in July. So much fun. Ooh. Oh, my goodness. The students. Uh, my understanding, I adore Dickens. I'm a Dickens nut, but we went so deep. And it just, mm -hmm. my daughter who took the course, um, we, we're still unpacking it. So that's available for moms who want, you know, something fun. And, you know, since you're the parents, there are quizzes, but you could honestly just read the books, listen to the lectures, have fun. It's Christmas. Oh, I want to do this course myself. Thank you so much. for It that, was so Ellen. much fun. It was really fun. It was fun. And that's in the unlimited access when you look for the archived stuff. And that's a great, great program. Olivia, what resources would you like to leave us with? Eleanor, I'm going to need that link. I would love that. 
so much. Um, okay, so I'll I'll just quickly mention two things. Um, we always love doing the picture study on the joyful mysteries of the rosary through Advent and into Christmas. And then I also love um, Jen McIntosh has a fantastic resource for Advent and the 12 days of Christmas. Um, she updates it most years, which is delightful. It's in her shop. But even if there's not an updated version, you can just use it and the dates, you know, use the dates and not the days of the week, you know. But in it, it's, I mean, it's a treasure trove of um, different books to read or videos to watch on different feast days, uh, different tradition ideas. So that's served as my resource for many years now to just pull from whenever I say, okay, here's a year where I may want to add a feast day, you know. Um, I feel like we can do, do, we can do, we can add something simple for a different feast day this year. Um, that's where I go to just all sorts of different traditions from the church and also fun things to do as a family. Um, so that is a really outstanding resource too, for if you're just getting started or if you're just wanting inspiration. All right. Thank you so much. That's great. And we'll get that. We'll get all these links from you ladies. We'll follow up and uh, let's just go around one more time. Just any final thoughts that maybe the Lord is holding out to you, or there's just one little thought that you just want to leave our listeners with. This has been so rich and so much fun. Jay, go ahead and start us off. I actually wanted to add um, also to the resource list um, for the to, for the uh, final day of the uh, the season, the Epiphany. Um, love reading uh, picture books about the um, three kings, three wise men, three kings, mm. and that that too you, you can incorporate um, a lot of traditions into the family, also with um, celebrating the Epiphany. Um, with that story also. And yeah. I also wanted to add my all-time favorite book, Eleanor, is A Tale of Two Cities. It's not Christmas, but it is Dickens. <laughs> <laughs> I love that book too. Yeah, it's a great story. Yes. yes. All right. Mm -hmm. And anything else that you want to just leave us with a final thought other than celebrating the three kings? The Dickensian and Chris, I'm actually going to be teaching Tale of Two Cities soon. So this is perfect. I really? Just, all okay. <laughs> this <laughs> whole show has been a ruse to, to, uh, to support <laughs> Eleanor as a brilliant instructor. I campaign to make people love Dickens. Oh my goodness, my lifelong campaign. And the day when I convert my husband, it'll be a miracle. Um, <laughs> but no, the last thing I'd like to say is just know every mom who's listening, or dad, we're praying for you and we need you mm -hmm. to pray for us because mm -hmm. this is a beautiful road and a hard one. Mm -hmm. It is at, your life is active prayer. It's exhausting. It's taking everything out of you, but it is such a path to joy for you too. So mm -hmm. know that we're praying for you and please, please pray for each of us. Yes. Mm, amen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Olivia. Mm -hmm. Final thought. Oh yeah. I just echo that, um, that sentiment, Eleanor. And I think just, you know, I think during the Advent and Christmas seasons, we can really butt up against our own personal poverty, but it's a beautiful season to do that because that's how our Lord was born. And so I think that, um, if we can just remember to bring our poverty to the manger, that um, it's going to be really well received there because the Holy Family is waiting for us there. And so um, that's where I would like to dwell this Advent is just in the poor manger with them. And so by God's grace, 
if we can just keep our vision fixed on that. Um, everything else will be what it is, but we will be with him. Mm. Oh, thank you so much for all of that. You all have just given me such a gift just spending this time together. I want to thank you all so much. Jay Dahlia Dunn, Eleanor Borg Nicholson, Olivia Spears, and we've got links for contacting these beautiful ladies and some resources as well in the show notes. Thank you all so much. And may all of you have a most blessed Advent and Christmas with your families. God bless you. And that's our show for today. Our program is sponsored by homeschoolconnections.com. Be sure to subscribe to Homeschooling Saints and leave us an honest review. God bless you and thank you for joining us.